This is a big weekend for the bridge. Um, we have an opportunity to serve our community tomorrow at the marathon, and we still have an opportunity to uh, raise some f- uh, funds for our world for, with Team World Vision, and um, we're not going to take an offering. We're not doing that. But if you're interested and you haven't donated to Team World Vision, just talk to somebody in one of these orange shirts that says World Vision on the front, and they can tell you what you can do if you would like to do that. Um, so we also, uh, tomorrow we're going to have, I don't know, 50, 75 volunteers out. And uh, I'm going to be at mile five, and I need your help. If you're free, you just come to mile five. That's on North Crossing at Riverview Drive. We're going to need all the help we can get, and it's going to go fast. We're going to start about uh, 7.30. The people who are going to set up get there at 6.40. We have another water stop at mile 17, and the youth group has that one. Okay, tonight, here's what we're going to talk about. Finishing the race. Finishing the race, because that's what Amber needs to do tomorrow. She needs to finish the race. Joy Johnson was a veteran marathon runner. Marathon, remember, is 26.2 for you non-runners, 26.2 miles. Joy Johnson ran 25 New York City marathons. Johnson did not run her first marathon until she was 61 years old. Ironically, Johnson was a career gym teacher, but she never really took exercise seriously until she went on a three-mile walk at the age of 59. She started jogging, like running down to the end of her block, and then she began to compete in 10K races. And for you non-runners, it's 6.2 miles. In 1988, she competed in her first New York City marathon, In 1991, she ran her fastest uh, New York City marathon in three hours and 55 minutes. How fast is that? That's just under nine minutes a mile, and she was 64. Her regular routine was to get up at 4 a.m. every morning, drink a cup of coffee, and read her Bible before heading out on a pre-dawn eight-mile run. In her peak, she ran 10 to 15 miles early in the morning. She ran six days a week and took off Sunday for church. In her kitchen, she had a Bible verse on the wall. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. On Sunday, November 3rd, 2013... Joy Johnson ran her last New York City marathon at the age of 86. In a pre-race interview with the local TV station, she said, I just praise the Lord. I can get out every morning and run. And she said, "Uh, a lot of people my age are in wheelchairs. At mile 20, Joy stumbled and fell, and she hit her head. Although she was dazed and the medical personnel told her not to go on, they wanted to take her to the hospital, she got up and she finished the race in 7 hours and 57 minutes. Monday morning, the next day, she got up and after she had done many New York City marathons and she uh, went uh, downtown and uh, went to the Rockefeller Center to the Today Show that was on live. After her time there, and she was actually interviewed uh, briefly, standing in the crowd, 
And she went back to her hotel and took a nap. And she died in her sleep with her running shoes on. That's a picture of her. Let's see the next slide. This was, an, she, this was actually the Monday she died. And, and there you can see her head injury. And she's been in, interviewed by the weatherman on the Today Show. So um, here's a woman who finished well. She lived well, and she finished well. The writer of Hebrews talks about the Christian life as a race. And the question I have for us is, how are we going to finish? Will we finish well? The writer of Hebrews has some advice for us. And if you have an outline, you can follow along. And there's one in your program. And the first thing I'd like to point out here is, uh, as we look at this race, we want to run with purpose. We want to run with purpose. And this is uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And the context is verse 1. Therefore, the writer says, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So the writer says we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And who, are, who is this cloud? Who are the people in this cloud of witnesses And uh, some of you remember, I think it was last year, and we did a series called Heroes. And we looked at the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And those are uh, people who have uh, gone on before, and they are examples to us of living by faith. They've already finished the race. They've lived by faith, and they are examples to us. Now the writer of Hebrews is wanting us to look back and see that group Uh, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. The writer is painting a picture just like you would have at the Olympic Games of a large stadium. And there are people in the stands, and they're watching the games. In the first century in Greece, they had the Ismithian Games, and they're kind of a forerunner of the Olympic Games. And uh, that's what the picture is giving this... uh, large crowd of people watching people run. And um, the first thing that he tells us in this verse is to remove things that hinder in verse 1. Let us throw off everything that hinders. Um, Runners in a race don't want to carry more weight than they have to. Um, They don't want to carry a bag of groceries. They don't want to carry a gallon jug of water. Um, They don't want to wear things like heavy boots, except I understand there's going to be a group that may be running uh, firefighters that are going to be in full gear tomorrow, Uh, but that's like not normal. (laughs) And uh, the writer says, let us throw off everything that hinders. You know, extra weight can hinder. I know there's a big difference between running down the road at 225 pounds versus running down the road at 200 pounds. I, I fit in. We, I ran in a group called Clydesdale. Some marathons have Cl- a Clydesdale class, and that's for 200-pounders. And uh, so that speaks for itself. <laughs> um, so um, runners don't want to carry excess baggage. Oftentimes, runners will wear warm-up suits or sweatsuits, pants and jackets, and they wear them 
pre-race, but when race time comes, they, they take those off, unless it's really cold. And because uh, they, they, they don't want to be uh, inhibited by anything. Uh, some things that hinder us in the Christian life, and that's what the writer is saying. Some things hinder you. Here's the interesting thing. These things may not be sinful. Some things hinder us in the Christian life. They're not necessarily sinful. There are a lot of good things, and sometimes too much of a good thing can be a hindrance. Uh, They keep us from being really focused. Sometimes it's just too much of a good thing, like food um, can be a hindrance if you're trying to run a race. Um, Even in the Christian life, it can be too much. TV, uh, sometimes even friendships, sometimes computer time, uh, sometimes texting, things that are okay and maybe good, but too much can sort of get in the way of our spiritual journey. They can hamper us. Um, They can keep us from more important things like time in the Word, uh, time with God in prayer, time to share Christ, time to serve, even time to manage our finances well, stewardship. So remove things that hinder. Some things not necessarily sinful, but they can slow us up. Explicitly, also in verse 1, remove things that cause us to stumble. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders, the writer of Hebrews, and the sin that so easily entangles. Some things trip us up and entangle us and cause us to fall. It could be our speech. It could be our thought life. It it could be our use of alcohol, our laziness, our greed, our desire to be the most important, and it trips us up. And we stumble and we fall, and it's called sin. To run successfully in the Christian life, to live well, uh, we have to remove these things that hinder, and we have to remove the things that entangle us. Well, how do we do that? Well, it's simply uh, being honest with God. And when he says uh, we've sinned, we need to say, yeah, I did. Just to be honest with God. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. It's just being truthful with God and admitting our failures. You know, sometimes we get the idea that we're, you know, we're supposed to be perfect and uh, I'm going to try to be perfect. We try for a while and then uh, we mess up and then we, we give up. And the, the thing is, is when we fall, everybody falls in the race, everybody get back up. Just get back up. By acknowledging our sin, asking forgiveness, and we're forgiven, and we need to keep going in the race and moving forward. And verse 1 says, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. There is a race course, and it's already marked out, and the scriptures tell us how to proceed, and we ought to stay within the course that God has outlined. And this, he says, do these things and don't do these things. And he's, he's marked out the course ahead, and we are free to run. Secondly, in verse 2, follow the leader. Uh, the writer says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. It's looking to Jesus. It's keep, he's the leader in the race, and it's to keep him central. Uh, he is the pioneer. 
He's the perfecter of faith. The pioneer means he's already gone ahead. He's already blazed the trail, finished the course, finished the race, and we need to keep our eyes on him. Uh, It's about living each day with Jesus at the forefront of our lives, seeking to please him. He is worthy. Follow the leader. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. He perfected the faith because when he died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins, he made the way and the path for forgiveness and a path for us to have a relationship with God. And he is the perfecter of that faith. We can't be the perfecter. He is the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Uh, Jesus kept his mind on the goal ahead of him. And um, he endured the cross. The joy set before him. You know, the cross wasn't his joy. It was what was on the other side of the cross was his joy. It's what the cross accomplished, that um, the forgiveness of sins. He died to pay the penalty for our sins. He endured the cross, and it was joyful because on the other side of the cross was the resurrection. It was victory over sin, victory over darkness, victory over the devil, and all that it accomplished. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, if you and I could go right now to heaven and see the right hand of God, the throne of God, we would find Jesus Christ sitting on that throne. If we could go there, we could see him right now in space and time. He is there. He is alive. He's resurrected. We can see the nail prints, the the nail prints in his hands and his feet, and we could see the deep wound in his side from that Good Friday spear from the Roman uh, soldier. So run with the purpose. Keep your focus on Jesus and follow his lead. Secondly, run to win. This is in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 23 through 27. Run to win. If you follow in your outline, winning requires focus training, verse 24. And the Apostle Paul writes, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Yeah, everybody knows that. This is a picture of the Ismithian games in uh, In Corinth, the people knew well about the Greek games. Uh, Everyone in the race is trying to to win. And Paul says, run in such a way as to get the prize. Uh, Runners were focused. They ran uh, with an all-out effort, and they desired to win. They wanted to get the prize. Um, And the prize that they got in the first century, all it was was a uh, crown made of a pine branch. How would you like to have that? And uh, verse 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Um, Paul says they go into strict training. Um, they, they choose, they make a choice to, as an athlete to have a disciplined life. They're, they're, they're going to they're choose to be very careful with their diet, nutrition. And uh, they're very concerned about their performance and how their body functions. They go into strict 
training. They focus on rest. They focus on stretching. They focus on exercise. They focus on strength training. Depending on what, what they compete in, they focus on their skills. Those of you who have trained for the marathon or the half, train, half marathon know all about the training. And a lot of you have, have uh, competed in sports and, the, and uh, the need for discipline, the need for strict training. Those of you who have run or walked, you know, you, you, you do a mixture of shorter and medium and longer runs or walks. And they start out that the short runs and the long runs are pretty close together. But then the short runs and the long runs start to get quite a bit of distance. You know, until you get up, some of you ran the 12 or 13 miles for your longest run. And if you're training for the marathon, you probably ran up to 20 miles for a training run or even longer. And uh, it requires uh, strict training to accomplish that. Um, Everybody who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. Because you know what? At the end of the Christian life, whenever that's going to be for you, you're going to meet Jesus face to face. That's going to be a pretty awesome thing. We're going to meet Jesus face to face, and he is going to be there to present the awards for how we lived. Athletes in the first century did it to get a crown that wouldn't last, and we do it to do it to receive a crown that will last forever. It will be about obedience. It will be about faithfulness. It will be about endurance. Winning requires focused training. Winning also requires self-control, verses 26 and 27. The Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, I do not like, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave. Um, the Apostle Paul describes himself like an athlete. He says he trains. His purpose is that uh, his body is under control, self control. He practices self leadership under the lordship of Christ. He doesn't want greed to take over in his life. He, do, he doesn't want to be uh, influenced and powered by greed. He doesn't want food to take charge of his life. He doesn't want lust to take charge of his life. Um, because he says in verse uh, 27, no, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the pride, prize. The Apostle Paul goes into strict training so that he will be a man of integrity. He seeks to practice what he preaches. He seeks to live uh, so that there will be uh, congruence between his message and his life so that he may be an example to others. Otherwise, he could be disqualified, just like we see Christian leaders today get disqualified for immorality. The Apostle Paul was very aware of that. Um, When I was in seminary, my wife gave me a little gift. Back in the 1970s, calligraphy was pretty cool, and she bought this little sign that I kept in my office for years and years and put a frame around it. 
You may not understand it, but it was meaningful for us. And it simply says, the man is the message. Now, I know that's not all about theology right there. But if the man's life doesn't ring true, the message is not going to be very powerful. And so there has to be integrity in the life for people to believe the word. And uh, that has been meaningful uh, to me through the years. The Apostle Paul says, So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Next, in verse 23, we're going to go back to verse 23, jumping backwards. Winning is ultimately about advancing the gospel. Winning is ultimately about advancing the gospel. Verse 23, the apostle says, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. This is why the apostle Paul went into strict training. This is why he practiced spiritual disciplines. This was his strict training. He practiced spiritual disciplines like fasting, like spending time studying God's word, like spending time memorizing scripture, like spending time in prayer. He did these things for the sake of the gospel so that he could preach it and live it so his life would shine brightly so that other people might, be, might meet the Jesus that he knew. The Apostle Paul tells us, uh, tells this to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Apostle Paul was uh, in Rome in prison when he wrote this. And he said, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That's a great passage for the church. Our behavior ought to be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And that just means that we need to be humble And when we sin, we admit it. And we seek forgiveness and we get right back into the race. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. That's a great picture for the church. Standing firm together with one purpose. The church, the body of Christ, made up of many members standing together as one. There's going to be a picture of that tomorrow. The church standing together, serving together, one purpose. The runners and walkers, volunteers, people at the water stations, striving together to shine brightly for the sake of Christ. Striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Thirdly, run to finish well. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Run to finish well. Verse 24, he says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Count the cost. Count the cost. He says, I consider my life worth nothing. The Apostle Paul has taken time for reflection. He's evaluated his life. He's thought about his priorities, and he's weighed them against God's priorities. And he says, uh, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My aim is to finish the race and complete, complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying 
to the good news of God's grace. So first, count the cost. And if you think about this for yourself, how do your own personal priorities line up with God's priorities for your life? Paul took time for reflection, and he uh, made a choice. So, like, what are the most important things in your life? What are the most important things in your life? How do you assess that? Think about it. I'm not here to tell you what are the most important things in your life. I think a person's checkbook reflects what, what ends up being important. I think your schedule, your calendar, is going to show what things are important to you. What your routine looks like in the day uh, shows what's important to you. And the Apostle Paul said, he, when, he, when he considered all these things, he considered his life worth nothing. He considered the cause of the gospel be, to be of first importance. His life was second. Paul's priorities were subservient to Jesus' priorities. He understood clearly that Jesus is Lord. Paul's attitude is reflected in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. He says, I eagerly, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul was in Rome, a prisoner waiting for trial. He didn't know what the outcome was going to be. And he says, when I think of it, I want Christ to be exalted in my body, either by life or by death, either way. For me, he says, to, to live is Christ because living right now, he gets to experience Christ. He gets to see Christ at work. He gets to be involved in Christ's ministry. And to die is to meet Jesus face to face. And that would be good, he said. So count the cost. And next, and the last point is to finish well. And verse 24, finish well. The Apostle Paul again says, My only aim is to finish the rate and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying the good news of God's grace. His goal was to finish well, to live a consistent, God-honoring life until his death. He wanted to please his master. He wanted to proclaim the truth about Jesus, and he wanted the whole world to know about his Jesus and what Jesus had done for him. I would suggest our goal should be to live well and to finish well. We are to testify of the good news of God's grace. One of the best known passages in the New Testament is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. We often forget verse 10, but 8 and 9, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. faith. And uh, we glory in that. It's by grace, it's God's favor, it's His gift. It's not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. So it's not by good works. It's not about earning salvation. It's not about earning heaven. It's not about trying to be good enough so we get to heaven. We get that. It's by grace, and it's through faith. And then the Apostle Paul adds, verse 10, for we are God's handiwork. We are his craftsmanship, Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Created in Christ Jesus. It's another way to say we're born again. It was God's work, this new birth in Christ. He placed us in Christ. Created in Christ Jesus to do good work, works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
I would suggest that one of those good, good works is tomorrow when you run and you walk for Team World Vision and when you serve um, at the water station or wherever you may be serving. We were created to do good works. And the way I like to say it, if you walk with Jesus, you will just walk right into the good works that God wants you to do. He will direct you day by day. It's not about earning our way to heaven. It's what we do to show others the way to heaven. So raising money for clean water in Africa is a good work. And i just like to say thank you to all of you who have uh, participated in Team World Vision and have sought to raise uh, finances to help children and families in Africa with clean water. I thank you for those of you who are running and walking tomorrow. Thank you who are going to be handing out water or volunteering with uh, Team World Vision. There's a paradigm that helps me picture good works. First of all, starting with tomorrow's going to be doing some good things. And by doing good works, we can create goodwill in our community. And uh, people learn to appreciate some of those things. We create goodwill, which leads to a platform for good news. Now, last week at Touch Twice, we served and did some good works, which created some goodwill, and some people were even willing to listen to the gospel last Saturday right on the spot. Now, our intention tomorrow isn't necessarily, if you get an opportunity, great, talk to someone, but it's over time that we create goodwill and shine brightly so that at the right time, someday, we will have more opportunities and a platform to share the gospel. So run with purpose, live with purpose, focused on Jesus Christ. Run to win, live to be successful for the gospel, and run to finish well. Live for Christ and his kingdom to the very end. Joy Johnson finished the race with her shoes on at the age of 86. She lived well. She finished well. I want to live well. I want to finish well. And I want to invite you to join me in the race to finish well. Let's run together with perseverance, the race that's marked out for us. So I'd like you to stand and let's pray together. Father, we just, uh, as we look at the New Testament and we see how the Christian life is sometimes uh, described as a race with athletic metaphors, we are reminded that we are in that race. And Lord, help us uh, to keep our focus on you. Help us to keep our focus on Jesus who's already gone ahead. Help us to put off things that hinder. Show us what things hinder us. I pray that you would um, show us what sin that we need to deal with. And may we uh, just be honest enough to confess that to you. Help us uh, with discipline in our lives, spiritual training, 
Help us to bring structure to our lives so that we can be better focused, whether it's time with you or time in reading scripture, time with prayer. And God, I pray that you would empower us and that you would give us your strength to run the race and to finish well. For Jesus' sake, amen.